Well, hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you guys tonight. Um, I don't usually get to be here on Wednesdays, so this is an extra special treat for me. And I want to start by thanking Pastors Ian and Tina for asking me to speak here tonight. Um, it really is such a, a privilege and honor to stand here where so many of the most important and influential people in my life have stood before, and so that's something that I definitely don't take lightly. So I think most of you know me, but if you don't, it's probably because I was away for the last three years in Ottawa going to law school. But I'm home now, thank God, and I am in my articling year, which is what they call your baby lawyer year, and basically your year to figure it all out. And so because of my law background, if you can call it that, um, tonight I'm going to be talking about pleading your case, the prayer of petition. And so there are courts in heaven, and they're referenced in scripture, and in fact, a lot of the Bible is written in legal language, and uh, that makes it extra interesting for someone like me to read, um, and I think that's why the pastors asked me to be here with you tonight, um, is that hopefully I can give you some insights on how we would argue a legal case, and how that can be translated into the courts of heaven, and into pleading your spiritual case. And so I think why this type of prayer fascinates me is because just like if you're dealing with a situation, you may go to a lawyer or go to a court to have something done about it. Um, I believe that the prayer of petition allows you to actually do something about what you're going through. Yeah. Right. And so tonight I hope to give you some really practical steps on how to bring your case before God, just like we would use extremely practical steps bringing a case before a judge. Um, and so I will be drawing on the legal world and some legal examples. Tonight, I do need to make something abundantly clear. Um, this is not legal advice, okay, everyone? <laughs> Nothing that I say here tonight is legal advice, and if you want to go sue your neighbor or somebody after listening to tonight's presentation, that would be a huge mistake. Okay, just so we're all on the same page. But um, just a bit of an overview for what I'm hoping to do. I want to start with a little bit of the spiritual context, the grander overview of why we can plead a petition. Then I'm going to move into building your case, so the key elements of every case and what we do to build a case and how that will build your petition. Um, and then finally, if we have time, I want to give you some tips for your courtroom. Okay, so let's pray. Let's start with that. It's a good, good place to start. Okay. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for amazing weather and for safety in our travels. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here as a room of your children to hear about your word. And so if anything tonight, Father, I hope that everyone in this room walks away with an understanding of how much you want to answer their prayers and how much you've given us the strategies that we need in order to access your courts in heaven. And so I pray that you would use me tonight as a vessel to impart some of those strategies on this room of your children who you love so much. And so I pray that you would anoint my mouth to speak and you would anoint their ears to hear. We love you. We worship you. We're, we honor you. We're grateful for who you are. And we welcome you here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like I said, I just want to start with um, the overview. And this is a it's, yeah, it's a pretty big overview of the spiritual context in which we can actually make a petition. And so, like I said, there's courts in heaven. Uh, they're referred to in the Bible. They're specifically referred to um, in Daniel 7.10, which says that the court began its session and the book was opened. 
And so the context of Daniel 7, the entire chapter takes place in heaven. So we know that when it says the court began its session and the book was open, that that's going on in heaven. And so the book, the book that's opened in that courtroom, what's that book? Well, thankfully, we have people who have actually studied the courts of heaven. And we know that the book that they're referring to in Daniel 7.10 is the same book that they talk about in Psalm 139. And so Psalm 31, 39, 139 <laughs> tells us that the book is the written story of each and every one of our lives. It says that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so before the court in heaven is a book with each and every one of our destinies and each and every one of our lives and everything that we have access to in our lives. And we know from the scriptures that our destinies are, are only glorious. And so we know that anything in that book that's before the court in heaven is good. Right. And so the good news for us is that God, our father, is positioned at the head of that courtroom. Because we know that because of Hebrews 12, 23, where he's referred to as the judge. And in the legal world, obviously, the judge is the head of the courtroom. Right. So that's obviously great for us because he's our father. <laughs> But the flip side being to that is that just like a legal courtroom, there's also an accuser. And so the accuser says we're guilty. And he says that we're not entitled to, we don't deserve everything that we're entitled to in that book. Because he knows that if we get access to what's in that book, we're going to do damage to his plan. And so it's interesting because the Latin word, Satan is obviously the accuser, um, the Latin word for accuser actually means anti-right. And so just like God is positioned, our father is positioned as, at the head of that courtroom, Satan has positioned himself as anti or against everything that we have a right to in the courts in heaven. Except there's the blood of Jesus. And so in Revelation 12, 10 to 11, it says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And so when Jesus poured out his blood on that cross, Satan was forever cast down and he forever lost his right to intervene in our lives so that God's will for us as set out in that book could be done. And so the blood was the legal currency with which the father purchased our victory and we were redeemed from Satan's plan. And God was granted the legal right to give us the desires of our heart and everything we could ever need as set out for us in that book. And so all we have to do is ask. And so when we're petitioning or when we're making our petition, we're quite literally pleading the blood of Jesus or presenting the blood of Jesus as our evidence that unlocks the treasury of heaven. And so tonight, the solution to whatever problem that you are facing is in the book. And all we have to do is ask for it. And how do we ask for it is what we're going to talk about tonight. Are you with me? Okay. 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 So the prayer of petition. So the prayer of petition, um, some of you may have heard of Jerry Savelle talk about this, but the prayer of petition can be defined as a prayer based on facts 
supported by the known will of God. Okay? So it's a, I'm going to say that again. It's a prayer based on facts, supported by the known will of God through his word. And so this is an extremely intentional type of prayer. Um, there's a lot of different types of prayer, and each one of them is, is so important. Um, but this isn't a, I love you, Jesus, please bless my day kind of prayer, which is so important. But that's, that's not what we're talking about here. In the prayer of petition, we are um, building a case by applying God's will to your problem in order to access a right that you have and get the result that you need for your situation. Okay? Okay. So in Ephesians um, 6, 18, it says, ask with prayer and supplication. And I don't know about you, like Pastor Ian said, I was raised in the church, so you hear like prayer and supplication. And I didn't actually know what supplication meant. (laughs) But um, if you look it up, it actually is another word for petition. Yeah. So Ephesians is telling us to pray, to ask with prayer and petition. And in the law, um, the, a petition is a, it's a formal request. Like I said, it's intentional. It's formal. It's a formal request that's argued before the court. And so you can't just walk into a court and like ask for something. They're like probably not going to give it to you, but you need to build your case for why your request should be granted. And so when we're pleading or petitioning a legal case, we build that case by applying the law to a set of facts. And so when you're pleading your spiritual case, you're going to be applying God's law to your set of facts, okay? So now we're going to move into um, building a case. So the actual elements of putting a case together. And so when people come to a lawyer, you know, everyone's fact situation is different. Some are similar, um, but every single person's situation is very different. There's different facts, and that can swing things a bunch of different directions. But when you're building their case, when you're building their argument, it's the same elements that you go through in almost every single case. It's the same steps or um, sections that you put together in pretty much everybody's situation. And so the elements that we're going to focus on tonight, there's four of them. The first is facts. The second is your grounds. The third is your law. And the fourth is your order or your conclusion. Okay, facts, grounds, law, order, slash, conclusion. So we're going to start with the facts. It's a good place to start. Um, So going to law school, I think that I thought that, you know, we were going to get asked all these like super deep, challenging intellectual questions and that our exams were going to be like, what is the constitutional significance of Section 33 and the notwithstanding clause in the Constitution Act? And you do get asked some stuff like that, but the majority of your exams go something like this. Susan was run over in the street by seven blindfolded unicyclists. (laughs) Who is most liable for injuries? her injuries? Is it the first unicyclist because his initial blow caused the most serious injuries? Are they extra liable because they were blindfolded? I'm telling you that this is the kind of stuff that we get asked on our exams all the time, okay? And these are called fact patterns. 
and almost every single exam is structured this way, and they're, every single time, they're absolutely ridiculous. But you're given a set of facts, and you're expected to p- apply the law that you've learned in the class to that set of facts. So you're building a case. And sometimes you have to argue both sides, or sometimes you just have to pick what side you think is the strongest, and you have to build a case for that person. And so tonight, when we're dealing with our petitions, um, the idea is that each one of us has a fact pattern. We have a set of facts in our lives that we want resolved. And so in a petition, you're not necessarily asking God to fix your entire life, although he would, but you're picking a particular issue that you want to attack with your petition. And so, yeah. And so as we're going tonight, I I would really hope that you would all go home and build a petition, but I think it would be easier if you thought of a situation now, and then as we're going through the steps, you can build as we go. And so as we're going, I want you to each think of a particular situation that you want to deal with in the petition. Um, I, however, have um, a fact pattern that we're going to solve as we go through the rest of the night. Um, So these are, well, one of these people is going to be our client. Um, so we've got Barbie and Ken, <laughs> because I tried to pick other names, and then you just end up picking the name of somebody that's sitting, and then that's really awkward for them. So, yeah, anyway, so we've got Barbie and Ken. So Barbie and Ken are out for lunch. Ken mentions to Barbie that he's thinking of selling his Malibu beach house. Barbie asks, how could you sell it? With that view, I'll buy it from you. And Ken replies, really? That's great. Let's save money on lawyers and write the paperwork up ourselves. Barbie and Ken proceed to write up and sign an agreement for the sale of the property on the restaurant napkin. Error number one. Two weeks later, Ken has a change of heart. He's now refusing to sell the Malibu Beach House to Barbie. But they had a contract, or did they? So Barbie's going to be our client, and we're going to build her case as we go. Okay? So now jumping back to your petitions for your facts, this is going to be the act, this, we're actually going to differ from what we do in the legal world here. Because when we put the facts in a petition that's going before the court, we're really just giving the judge a context for the request that we're making. Um, but God knows your situation. And we always say not to dwell on the negative. And so reminding God of your negative situation every day is not something that needs to be done. Okay. So, so just keep it out. We're not going to deal with that. You know the situation that you're dealing with, but in your petition, I don't, don't want to hear it. Okay? Okay. Great. So number two. So that was facts. Everybody got their facts in your head? Great. Okay. Number two is your grounds or your jurisdiction or your standing. So those are a bunch of different names for it. But um, this, is probably, this might be the trickiest bit to explain to someone um, who, who isn't legally trained, so stick with me here. So in every legal claim, you must state your grounds for bringing the claim before the judge to hear your case. So it's your foundation. And your grounds aren't necessarily specific to your situation at all. Your grounds are the general provision 
that allows you to come into the court and make a request. And so for most claims, as would be for Barbie, um, the general provision that provides the grounds for Barbie to come into the courtroom and to be heard is the Courts of Justice Act. Um, and that's a, a statute um, that we have. And according to a provision in that act, Barbie can bring her claim before the Superior Court of Justice of Ontario, who has the jurisdiction, the power, and authority to hear her claim. So it's that general provision that says that she can go into the court and make a claim and the court will hear her, okay? And so in the legal world, we all know that it's the Courts of Justice Act. Everybody knows the general provision, but you will see it written in every single claim because if you don't write it, your claim has no grounds. And so in the same way for your petitions, we need to start our petitions with our grounds. And so we're not yet into healing versus provision um, versus finances, whatever you're, we're not into the specifics yet of your request. Your grounds are the one or two general scriptures that say that you have a right to walk into the court of heaven and make the request that you're making and to be heard. And so I'm going to give you some examples because they're going to be universal to every single one of your situation, okay? Okay, so if you have a pen and paper, I'm just going to go through a few of them. The first is John 16, 23, which says, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. John 14, 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. Matthew eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that it is granted to you and you will get it. And 1 John 5, 14 to 15, I think this one is my favorite. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions desired of him. And so this tells us that we have the right to come before the court of heaven and make our requests. Do you see that? And as believers, we're already one step ahead of where you are in the legal world. Because if you remember what I said about the Courts of Justice Act, All that said is that you can bring your claim before the court and they will hear you. But when you're pleading your petition, these scriptures tell us that you can bring your petition before the court and he will not only hear you, but he will give it to you. So we're already a step ahead. Okay? So I've done a little bit of the work for you. The start of your petition could sound something like this. Father, I come before you boldly and I stand on your words in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, which say, if we ask anything according to your will, you heareth us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions desired of you. So that's your grounds. That's your, your, your jurisdiction, your standing for making your request, your foundation. Okay. So we're already on to step three, your law. So, as you can imagine, this is probably the most important part of your position. <laughs> so, the laws, well, you know what the law is. The law is, are the, the laws, tongue twister. The law is the rules um, that citizens must follow, um, but they're also the rules that the court must follow. And so, they're the, the rules that support the conclusion that you're asking the court to make. And so there's two types of law, and I'll explain what I mean by that, the conclusion you're asking the court to make, but there's two types of law, and the first type is statute. 
So we're going to jump back to Ken and Barbie for a second. <laughs> so Barbie comes to me and she says, look, we made a contract. We signed it on a piece of paper and I want that house. And Ken says there's no contract because we wrote it up on a napkin. And so they come to me and I go, I don't really know <laughs> the answer to your question, but I know where to start. And as lawyers, the first thing that we do when we're researching the law that applies to a client's situation is we go to the statutes. And so the statutes are the written laws that our politicians create. And so they're the code books that apply in every situation. And so I'm sure you've heard of them, you know, the Highway Traffic Act that regulates our how fast we can drive and all that fun stuff. The Criminal Code of Canada, the Education Act, the Employment Standards Act. Act. These are the laws or the rules that apply to a particular situation, okay? And so when we're faced with a situation, like I said, we go digging into the statutes and we see what applies. And so I did, again, the research for us, and I found what, an older statute, but it's one that still applies, called the Statute of Frauds. And so Section 1 of the Statute of Frauds says that contracts for the sale of land must be in writing and signed by all parties. Contracts for the sale of land, so as the Malibu Beach House, that's the sale of land, must be in writing and signed by all parties. Well, they wrote it out on a napkin and they signed it. And so if, if the agreement was verbal, if they were just talking about it, she'd be out of luck. But they wrote it down. And so in my arguments before the judge, I would say, according to the rule in the statute of frauds, all contracts for the sale of land must be in writing. Right. They had a contract in writing, she has a right to that land, and I have the law to back me up. Right. And that's how I would start to build her case. Right. And so when you're, you're pleading your petitions, your statute, I hope this is clear, yes. is the Bible. Yeah. And so the scriptures are referred to often throughout the Bible as God's law or God's statute. Yes. And so it's the code book it's quite literally the code book which helps us apply God's rules or God's laws to every situation. And so it helps you align what you're asking for with what the word of God says. Right. Remember that in 1 John, um, as I said earlier, one of the scriptures that were our grounds, it said that if we ask anything according to his will, and so then we're faced with a situation, like I had to go to the statutes and see what they said about Barbie's situation. We have to investigate what God says about our situation. And the beautiful thing is that we can know God's will. You know, I think a lot of people get tripped on the, oh, if it be God's will, right? But we know God's will. We've been given God's will. The scripture is quite literally the book which tells us God's will for every single situation. And so we have to research. Like I had to research for Bar Barbie. We have to open our Bibles and figure out what he's saying about our fact situation. And Jerry Savell says it like this. He says, if you don't know God's will, thou art lazy. <laughs> so what I'm challenging us, pardon? <laughs> and so... What I'm challenging us to do tonight, because this is just as much for me as it is for you, um, I'm challenging us to dig into the scriptures and see what he says about what we're going through. And, you know, 
thank God for Google, <laughs> but you know, the bulk of your petition is going to be gathering everything that his law says to build your case. And so what we need to do is we need to find scriptures that are so specific to your situation that you can become convinced yeah. that nothing else could happen but what you're asking for because you have God's law to back you up. Okay? And so um, I'm going to give you an example. You know, um, my dad got in a pretty serious car accident when we were younger, and the impact caused a pretty significant curve in his spine. And when we were younger, my parents raised us on doing what they called faith agreements, which is pretty much a petition. And we'd write them out, and we'd sign them, and they'd have our scriptures, and they had... Um, you know, what we were believing for, and we'd sign them, and we'd say them as a family every night. And so in our petition, because we were believing for his healing, obviously the general healing scriptures were in there. They have to be in there. But another scripture that was so, which I found to be the most impactful, was Isaiah 40, which isn't even a healing scripture, but it says, and the crooked shall be made straight. Right. And so when I am praying this petition for my dad, I know that God's will for his situation is that his spine would be straight yes. because that's what his law says that yeah. it should be. And so I believe that there's something that specific in here for every single situation. And so, you know, if you're believing for a baby, there's a scripture in there that says be fruitful and multiply. If you're believing for, if you can't pay for your groceries, then yes, be standing on the general provision scriptures, because those need to be in your petition. But there's also the scriptures where he turned the filet of fish sandwich into something that could feed the multitudes, yeah, right? And if you're having nightmares or insomnia or your kids can't fall asleep, there's a scripture in there that says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet, yeah. right? And if you're believing for restoration in your marriage, you know, there's um, the scripture that says, what God has joined together, no man can pull apart. Yeah. And this... And this is what makes your faith unshakable because you're praying on the word and the will of God for your situation. And so you can, when you're pleading your petition, you can stand in front of the accuser and say, no, 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 it is written that when I lie down, I will not be afraid and that when I lie down, my sleep will be sweet. And so you're building your case based on God's law, God's statute, and you're applying it to your situation. And the court has to follow it. So that's, that's statute. And next is case law. So that's the second type of law. Um, in Canada and in the States, um, we are a case law or common law society, um, legal system. We're a common law. The States is not a common law, but you are a case law. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Um, it's all based on the principle of stare decisis or precedent, like you said earlier. And so the law of precedent says that the rules that are determined in cases that come before you apply in subsequent cases with similar circumstances. So the, case, the rules that are determined in cases that come before you apply in subsequent cases with similar circumstances. And so when a judge releases a decision um, they release re written reasons for their decision, um, and that piece of writing is called case law. Um, 
and it, it explains the context for how the judge has applied the law in a particular fact situation. And so when we're faced with a situation like Barbie's, um, as, as a lawyer, the first thing that you would do is you go to the statute and then you would jump to the case law and you would try and find cases that have similar circumstances to the problem that you're trying to solve. And so there's millions of cases in these databases. And if you've had a run-in with the law, you're probably in there too. But um, <laughs> if we jump back to Barbie and Ken for a second, let's say that I find a case called Nelson versus Bay. And let's say it's a 2011 decision. And as I'm reading the judge's decision to see if it applies to Barbie's case, um, I see that Bay had a property that he promised to sell to Nelson and they were out at a dinner, and they wrote the contract out on a napkin. And in deciding the case, the judge determined, the court determined, that the napkin was sufficient to meet the in-writing requirement of the statute of frauds. And the court enforced the contract. And so the statute of frauds didn't say anything about a napkin, right? But I would bring this case before the attention of the court and I would say, hey, look, you did it for Nelson, now you have to do it for Barbie too. Come on. Right? Come on. That is so good. And so you're building your case based on the testimony of those that have come before you. And so jumping to your petitions again, going back and forth, um, now that you know the will of God, you're gonna support your stance on the scriptures that you've chosen based on the testimonies of those that have come before you. Come and I believe that there's no better time to build your petition than right now because of I believe in miracles, yeah. right? Yeah. We're, we're, we've been given testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have stood on the will and the promises of God and they've achieved results in their situation. And there's so many and they've all been so amazing. Um, but they're concrete examples for you of how the Lord has come through for these people yeah. and fulfilled the promises that they were standing on. Yeah. And so you can incorporate those into your petition to build your faith and build your case, come on. right? Yeah. And so if you're believing for a house or if you're believing for anything related to a house, I want you to go watch Julia's testimony, yeah. right? That was a phenomenal testimony. And if you're believing for healing, I want you to go watch my sister's testimony. Yeah. And she was 11 years old and they diagnosed her with flesh eating disease and they were gonna cut off her foot. And I know for a fact that my parents stood on the promise in Psalm 27, which said, when the enemy came to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. How's that for like a super specific scripture? <laughs> but there's been testimonies about addiction and loneliness and anxiety and financial provision, and they have all been phenomenal. And they can all be used to build your case and build your petition. And if you can't, if you can't think of a testimony, I know... <laughs> We all like to think we're like paving the way with new problems, but you're, you're probably not. And um, the leaders have heard it all. So if you can't think of a testimony that applies to your situation, go to one of the leaders. I'm sure they would be more than willing to point you in the direction of someone who has gone through a similar circumstance to what you're going through and come out on the other side because of the Lord, right? And so like I said, um, you're incorporating these testimonies into your petition so that you can say, hey God, you did it for her, please do it for me, yeah. right? Okay, 
And the last bit of your petition um, is going to be your order or your conclusion. And I know I said that the law was the most important, but this, this is up there too. What are you asking for? So every time that we make a legal argument, we wrap it up by telling the court the conclusion or the order that we want them to make. And so when you're applying the law, both from statute and testimony or statute and case law to your facts, what's the conclusion? What's the order that must be made? Right. right? So for Barbie, the statute said that the contract must be in writing and the case said that the napkin was sufficient. And so I would tell the court that the only logical conclusion that can be made is to enforce the contract, right? right? And so if you're believing for healing and the Bible is telling you you're healed and Tom was healed of cancer, then the only logical conclusion in your situation is that you too are healed of cancer, yeah. right? And so you're saying, based on all of the above, based on everything that I've put before you, this is the conclusion that must be made, and I'm asking you to make that order. Wow. Right? Wow. Okay. So to summarize, I have a testimony about the last time that I pled a petition, which was probably six months ago, which means I'm due for another one. <laughs> but um, this story, um, just keeping with the legal theme, this story is about when I wrote, this testimony, it's not a story, it's a testimony, is about when I wrote the bar exam back in June. And so I'm very aware that this is not a story about like cancer or addiction, okay? Like, it's an exam, but it is a, it is a beast of an exam. It's two eight-hour exams. Um, and I've known I wanted to be a lawyer since I was in like grade five or six. So that's about 15 years of like dread leading up to this exam. Okay, like I, I knew it was coming and you just can't really do anything about it. And so we know that dread is negative expectation, so I had a lot to deal with. And so I was doing with Arema with my mom last January. Many of you know that she's the head of the Arema department and there's many benefits about having her as a mom, but speed dial Ramas are really a plus. And so... We were doing a rhema about something entirely different, and she said to me, she was like, Aid, I think we need to deal with the bar exam. And I was like, Mom, it's not till June. I'm good. I'm not even afraid. Total lies. <laughs> but she was like, no, we are dealing with the bar exam. Amen. And so the, the truth that I got in my rhema was that it doesn't have to be the same for you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be easy. And I said, like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> right? But I had 15 years of negative expectation leading up to this situation. So I started building a petition. And so for my grounds, I think the grounds I stood on were John 16, 23, which is whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. And for my law, um, I had my statute and the two, I was standing on a lot of scriptures, but the two main scriptures that I was standing on, the first was, um, Proverbs 3, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And so when I would plead that promise, I would say, Hey, Lord, I'm not leaning on my own understanding, because I got 3,000 pages of material in front of me, and I can't understand it all. But you do, because you created the law. And so I'm leaning on your understanding for this situation. And in all your ways, 
Um, in all my ways, I've acknowledged you, or I've tried, and so you will make my path straight. And so, and you will make my path straight. <laughs> and so, with that, I was standing on the fact that if everyone else's path is curved, my path is straight, because you said you would make it different for me. And in the other one that I stood on was Romans 8, 28. And it says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And the cool thing about that one is that when you actually become a lawyer, there's a ceremony and it's called your bar call. And you literally get called into your profession. And so when I was standing on Romans 8, 28, I was saying that, look, I feel like you have called me into the legal profession. I feel like that is a part of your purpose for me. And so I know that all things will work together for my good in this situation because I have been called according to your purpose. Yes. You see? Yes. You see how I took the, the scriptures that I was standing on and I applied them to my situation? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so for the testimony, I sit on the testimony of Jamie. Yes. And many of you know her, and she's a lawyer that was here for many years. And I got the really amazing opportunity um, to get to watch her study for the bar exam, I don't know, five, six years ago, whatever that was. I mean, I saw her in that back room over there studying. And she had a meditation, or she had a, um, she had a meditation, yeah, that she, was, that she was standing on for her bar exam. And it had something to do with God on a horse. And I'm a little fuzzy on the details. But the point of the story was that on the day of her bar exam, when she showed up to her bar exam, in the middle of the city, a guy went by on a horse right beside her. And so she knew in that moment that the Lord was coming through for her. And so for me, I didn't even know, I didn't need to know what the horse was about. All I needed to know was that the Lord came through for her and that he would come through for me too. Right? Okay. And so in the two months leading up to the exam, it's a two-month process that you get with the materials. And like I said, it's thousands of pages. And everybody says to you, um, say bye to your life for the next two months. You're going to sit in the library all day, and then you're going to study all night, and then you're going to cry yourself to sleep, and you're going to wake up, and you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it for two months straight until you show up to the exam so burnt out that you won't even be able to think your way through it. And I said to myself, he told me it would be different for me. He told me it would be easy for me. I'm not taking that. And so I had an amazing friend that I was going through the process with, and we decided, we're like, mm, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to study Monday to Friday, 9 to 4, and the rest, you know? And so we showed up every Monday to Friday, 9 to 4, and we worked hard. But the second that we were done, I'm telling you, our experience was unlike anything that any of the rest of our classmates was going through. We lived it up for two months straight. I'm telling you, we would go to the library and study and we'd leave and we'd go to the spa. We'd go to the library and study and we'd leave. We tried all the new restaurants that Ottawa had. Our Saturday routine was like, go to spin class, go to brunch. Our Sunday routine was go to church, go to brunch. We'd sit by Rideau Canal. We'd sit on Parliament Hill in the sun. I'm telling you, I had more fun in the two months studying for the bar exam than I had in probably my entire three years of law school. It was, it's a time that I actually miss rather than a time that I want to forget. And so then we get to the day of the exam. <laughs> and... Uh, it was a little overwhelming. 
and you're walking into that room and you know it's like a gigantic airplane hanger of a room and there's like 500 desks and there's the huge clock on the kind of like this one um and it's counting down like you're in the hunger games and it's like very intense and it was overwhelming but um the seating was random and you don't know where you're going and you have your number and you're looking for your spot and so i'm walking towards my seat and i don't know where i'm sitting and my friend is also doing the same thing and i'm kind of going in one direction and she's kind of following me right and i find my seat and doesn't she sit down right behind me and I know me, and I know that the 30 minutes before the exam, when you ha you're not allowed to leave your desk, but you're not allowed to start, would be such a time for me to turn inward and to just panic for 30 minutes straight. But instead, my friend and I were sitting right beside each other, building each other up for the 30 minutes before we went into there. And when I sat down and I saw her behind me, I heard the Lord say, Aid, you have to do this because it's something that I've asked you to do, but I sure am going to make it easy as possible. And so the exam started and, and, you know, like it was grueling, but I felt in the exam the peace of God on me like I had never felt before. And in a room where people are literally throwing up getting bloody noses and crying all around you. I was just in this peace bubble because I had spent months preparing academically, but also spiritually pleading the promise that it would be different for me and it would be easy for me. And so thanks to the grace of God only, I uh, finished the exam with time to spare both times because there's two parts to the exam. Um, time to go back and check over my answers and I passed both exams. <laughs> By, like I said, the grace of God and a lot of prayers from the people in this room. <laughs> but I remember when it was over, my friend that I went through it with, she kind of said to me, she was like, wasn't that process like a lot easier than you thought it would be? And I wanted to be like, you're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, um, I have tips for a courtroom, but I feel like I am out of time. Are you sure? Okay, I'll run through them extremely quickly. Tips for your courtroom. The first, be formal, write it down. Your petition. Yeah. Court is a serious process. Judges don't like when you go up in front of them and ramble. Yeah. And so when you're arguing in front of a court, you actually submit your arguments in writing beforehand. Yeah. And so this forces you to put your thoughts together, right. be specific, articulate what you're actually asking for and the reasons why. Right. And it makes sure you're hitting the important points every time you pray. Three, practice when it doesn't matter. Um, at school, so we do moot court competitions, they're called, in law school. Um, so they're basically fake cases, and you draft your pleadings, and uh, you argue against another side in front of a judge. It's usually your professor, but anyway. And the point is that it doesn't matter. There's literally no stakes other than your grade. But <laughs> you're building your skills for when people's lives are in your hands. And so... The same goes towards your petition. Practice when it doesn't matter. Practice on situations that are, that are small in your life. Practice when the adversary doesn't care, right? Because when a time, well, Kenneth says, like, you know, Kenneth Copeland says, um, the principles in the little league are the same as the principles in the major leagues, right? And so then when it does matter and when the adversary does care, 
you're prepared to come boldly before the throne of grace because you've done it before, yeah. right? And so I think a good example of this is when Pastor Jess made the LCSM students live on $5 a day and believe for everything else, right? Because that's a, other than like disappointing you, which would be horrifying, it's a relatively low stakes situation. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Practice with the little things. That way when you are believing for a petition that is life or death, you've done it before. Okay. Four, use visual aids. Um, this strategy, the prayer petition, must work in tandem with everything that's been said the last few weeks about vision boards and meditation. So if you haven't listened to my mom and Aunt Joy's message, Minister Joy? <laughs> what do I call you? <laughs> Aunt Joy. <laughs> you have to listen to those because it all works together. Um, cases are won and lost on visuals. You all probably know the phrase, if the glove don't fit, you must... A quit. There we go. I'm not going to explain that whole context, but <laughs> anyways, cases can be won on lost on visual aids. Do your, do your meditation, put together a vision board. It'll fuel, um, if you keep the visual before your eyes of what your petition looks like answered, um, it'll fuel your faith while you're in the petition process. Okay. Um, five, I'm almost done. Get a lawyer. The Bible says, where two of you agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or more are gathered, I am with them. Yes. And so just like a client comes to us when they're going through a situation and it just feels like too much and they need help with it, there's no um, shame in needing backup with your petition. And so find a prayer partner. Stand together um, as an entire family or as a couple or as a group of friends. Um, go to the prayer team after service. I'm sure uh, that they would be grateful if you did their work for them and you showed up with a petition and all they have to do is agree with you concerning the prayer that you've already created. I think they would all be okay with that. <laughs> and so there's no shame in needing someone to stand with you. And on that note, stand. Like Pastor Sheena said at the beginning, um, when you've done all else to stand, keep standing. This is a process. And, you know, some cases I see at work take years to be completed and it's hard and you see clients want to quit and you really don't blame them but they could quit the day before their $250,000 settlement comes through the door and so I'm not necessarily saying um, that it's going to take years to get your answer um, but what I am saying is that whatever the timeline stand stick with it put pressure on heaven plead the promises that the blood of Jesus has unlocked for you um, his word will not return void amen Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you.
I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.